Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. There's always opposition that comes. And uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not. If you're a preacher, you know what I'm talking about. Like, uh, nothing ever comes easy. The devil doesn't give up ground. Uh, he's going to have to give up some ground this morning, though. So I want you just to be on my side. You can amen. Uh, you can shout me down if you can. And uh, we're just going to have the best time uh, for the next few minutes just enjoying what God has for us. I was always taught growing up not to live beyond my means. Anybody else taught that? Uh, if you if your sons or daughters of or grandkids of uh, grandparents that went through the Great Depression back in the 20s or whatever it was, uh, you know they 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 had to just live on next to nothing, and so they had to make ends meet just all the time. They were what we would call frugal. Uh, I wouldn't say stingy. Uh, some people are stingy, but uh, frugal is different. It just means you've just got to live within your means. And I was taught that like growing up. Now, my dad didn't go through the Great Depression, but his parents did, and so they pushed that into him. You just don't live outside of your means. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Uh, don't spoil what you have by wanting what you don't have. All of these kinds of kind of cliche sayings were, were kind of part of my life. And, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. You shouldn't live beyond your means. If you can't afford to pay cash, I was taught, then don't get it. Uh, or buy something secondhand. If, uh, if you have to borrow, don't borrow. Borrowing is a bad word. You're paying for that thing many times over. I see people get into the debt trap. However, this morning, I'm not going to teach you how to, I'm not going to talk about how to live within your means. We're going to actually talk about how to live above our means or outside of our means. That's this morning's message. I want, to, I want you to think about something for a moment here, but God's not short of anything. It's God's something that I don't think you'll ever hear God say. In fact, I, I know you'll never hear God say this. Oh, I can't afford that. You'll hear people say that, but you'll never hear God or any of the angels, I'm sure, saying, oh, gee, I don't know. I don't think we can afford that. I think it's more like we can't afford not to when it comes to the things of God. It's really important for us, no matter what our background is, no matter what we've been through, we need to realize that God's economy, he's not short on anything in his economy. If you're in any doubt at all, just look at the extravagance of God. I mean, there's something profoundly simple about God in some ways. I mean, his son born in a manger and raised in, you know, in Nazareth, a bad place, apparently, because uh, Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, obviously, it wasn't the nicest place on earth. But when I think about God, I think about God's extravagance. God is profoundly simple, but he is over-the-top extravagant. I don't know who you know that's extravagant in life. Maybe with their dress, their decor, the house, what they got, whatever jewelry, whatever, 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 the way they spend money, they go, you know, on holidays or restaurants or whatever, but nobody tops extra extravagance more than God. I think about the oceans. Man, like, you look out there and you think, is there any shortage of water? I don't think so. 
Is there, are there any shortage of insects? I don't think so. Sometimes I wish he was, could you just have laid back a little bit on the mosquitoes and the flies in particular? Like, could you just have maybe been a bit stingy when it comes to creating them and giving them the ability to multiply? Uh, I look up at the stars, of course, and it's, it's, it's past figuring out, like, where did you come up with that idea? And why didn't you just cut it short a little bit? We get the idea that it goes on forever. We understand how vast the universe is, but you kind of overdid it, God. Like, you're just an over-the-top God. He's just an extravagant God. I think about the sands on the seashore. He told Abraham, your, your, your seed is going to be like the sands on the seashore. Like, think about that for a moment. Try to count them. Uh, you know, I think you would take forever to do that. You'd miss one somewhere along the line. You have to start all over again. That wouldn't be too good. Uh, I think about the sower, the farmer that went out to sow. There's a parable that Jesus taught in, in Mark chapter 4 and, and, and Matthew 13. But without going into depth on that, the farmer goes out to sow. But the, but the farmer didn't plant in the parable. A lot of times we got this planting mentality. And if you read that parable, you see that he... Uh, obviously missed something. It wasn't a very good farmer because he just scattered seed, it says. He didn't like go, go and plant every little, you know, every couple of feet he's going to plant some seed. He's got the furrows and, uh, you know, whatever you call those lines. Farmers, help me out. Is it called a furrow? I don't know. Whatever it's called where they plow the ground. Uh, I'm sure he would have done that. But some of it lands on, on, the, on the footpath where it says the birds of the air picked it off. Some of it... Uh, goes off the path, uh, hard ground, rocky ground, it says, springs up. Another bunch of it goes in where there's thorns that grow up. Obviously, he missed the mark. What does it tell us about God? He's extravagant. When he sows his word, his seed goes out there. He's not just planting it selectively, planting it only in the hearts that are going to receive it, only where it's going to grow up and, and multiply and thorns aren't going to get it or anything else. No, he just scatters it. Why? Because there's more where that came from. He's got so much of it that it doesn't matter that much to him. The seed is going to go out there. He's extravagant. Now, there is a word for this, and it's one word. It's called grace. G-R-A-C-E. And there's something about grace that most people miss. In fact, I would like to say this, that most churches teach it uh, according to uh, the way that you work, the way that, that your behavior, as if your behavior determines God's favor. Behavior doesn't determine favor. Your Savior determines your favor. Do you understand that? The only person that determines your favor, and he's not incomplete, and he's not short of a quid if you're English, is God. Jesus is not short of anything, and his grace is not short either. Now, his grace has the power, certainly, to overlook, and that's the way grace is usually preached. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found, uh, was blind, and now I see. It goes on. Uh, but it's not just the power to overlook your past or to overlook uh, all of your mistakes and to forgive. There is an aspect of grace, which is this, that it's not just the power to overlook, it's the power to overtake. Amen. Now, I was driving here one, one Sunday a while back, and there was a little old lady 
and the speed limit's 100 on the motorway. And, and I wasn't going to go over the speed limit, but I wasn't going to go 60 either. I'll just be honest with you. And the little old lady, I know because when I passed her, I looked. Anybody do that? Don't you hate it when they have dark tinted glass and you can't see? Who is this person? Especially if they've been tailgating you and you know, causing havoc on the freeway or whatever like that. You want to just see, who is it? Because I, I always guess. I always tell Gail, I'll bet you that's a woman. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh, yeah, now hang on, because she's driving really good. Yeah, so there you go. Cop that. There you go, you prejudiced people, you. I'll bet you that's a, a little old lady. I'll bet you that's a young person, that hoon. And often I'll, I'll go past, and it's not a young person at all. It's a little old lady that's hooning it. It's, people surprise you, but in this case, I did look. It was a little old lady. She was going 60, and she's somebody's grandmother. God bless her. But I was so thankful that I didn't just have the ability in the car, that is, to just overlook her uh, offense of driving too slow. Uh, I had the ability to put my foot down and to overtake and get past her without breaking the law whatsoever. Grace is an amazing thing because grace gives you the power that you don't have. Grace is where God's ability, his resources come upon you. Grace is the reason that, that you and I are saved and can walk according to God's plans and according to God's purpose. Grace says there's no limit in God's econ economy. Every one of us come up short, but God is never short in anything that God has called you to do. He has equipped you and he has empowered you to do that. Isn't that good news? I'm coming up short in, in a lot of areas when it comes to my own natural ability, but when I tap into this amazing grace, all of a sudden now, God gives me the ability to do what I can't do. God gives me his ability. That's what grace is. Grace is not just unmerited favor. Oh, it's that and much more. Grace is also divine ability to do what you cannot do or what you don't have the resources to do. So I'm not talking about living within our means this morning. I'm talking about let's learn how to live beyond our means. Let's learn to live in God's economy. Let's learn to put the foot down and see what God wants to do. Now, there are some amazing scriptures on this. I'm going to give you a few in this message, but uh, I don't want us to live in a stingy little economy. Now, I have been there when it comes to not having the means to do different things. I had a car. I, I, I went to college twice, once to get university degree and the other to go to Bible college. And so if you know what we're talking about, if you've been to school, you know, sometimes you really have to live. Like I was living on, on baked beans and uh, in college originally, baked beans and beer. Uh, Bible college was just baked beans. <laughs> and uh, but, you know, I lived in a tent. Uh, our honeymoon was in a compact car. I said, babe, we're going to see America in style. We lived out of the car. And, uh, that was a, a whole adventure. I know what it's like to have to live within my means. Like I said, I went to school twice. The car that I had, the junkyard wouldn't even take it in the end. They'd, no, we don't even want this thing. It was probably worth the scrap metal. That's about it. But in God's kingdom, it's a whole different story. And uh, John, John, chapter, John 1, 16, listen to this. 
Because God wants to make this incredible deposit, but most of us don't realize the deposit that's in us. John 1.16, out of the living, uh, sorry, the Passion Translation, says this. And from the overflow of his fullness, try to figure that one out. The overflow of God's fullness. The overflow of his fullness. We received grace heaped upon more grace. Wow! Like that's so abundantly beyond just, oh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a bit of my grace. Hey, grace to you. Peace to you too, brother. No. Grace, God's ability, God's divine enablement, we receive that in the fullness out of his overflow. We receive that heaped upon more grace. How good does life get? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. We know this one. For it is by, come on, grace that you have been saved through faith, and that not from yourselves is the gift of God. What happens? We start off realizing that by faith we've appropriated something by grace to be forgiven and to live this life called the Christian life or the life of faith, which goes beyond our natural ability. And then somewhere along there we shift over out of that grace economy, God's ability, God's divine favor and enablement, we shift into a behavior that says it's up to me and it's my track record that's going to bring the favor of God into my life. Like I said, it's not your behavior, it's the Savior. It's not the fact that you are so good and now you're going to get more because of your goodness. That's quite the opposite message. Jesus came along and rebuked that constantly. He rebuked it with the Pharisees. They were so good at that. Look at us. Look at how good we are. Look at how well-behaved we are. I believe in being good. I believe in being well-behaved. I'm not preaching a gospel uh, that says just go out and, you know, sin it up or something like that. But the favor of God is not based on the behavior of you. If it was, you would be the hero of the story. You're never the hero of the story. I'm never to be the hero of the story of the story. When God does something through me, he does it through me. It's not me doing it. It's him doing it through me. My job is to be a vessel. My job is to be yielded to what he wants to do through me, in me, and to other people. That's my job. My responsibility is to keep on believing. That's what believers do. So God doesn't want us to take the credit for it, the glory of it. God's God's not looking for your ability to or your, your track record, your behavior to determine his favor or his grace. You can look at the prodigal son. Great parable, that one. Kid goes wayward. He says, I want my inheritance. I want it now. He goes out, lives with pigs. There's a famine in the land. He's thinking to himself, man, this is getting bad. Well, I, I wish that I could even eat the pods that I'm feeding these pigs. Uh, and, and he comes to himself, it says, and he says, even, even the servants, even the hired hands in Father's house eat better than this. I'm going to go back. Why did he go back? And why did he have the confidence to go back? Because he knew the heart of his father. He knew that his father loved him regardless of his track record and his behavior. 
And so he goes back. He's on his way back. The father sees him from afar off, comes running out to meet him, hugs that son, despite the smell, the stench, everything else that would have been upon him, puts a ring on his finger, robe on his back, new sandals. He's like, my son was lost. Now he's found. But it's the older brother that stayed conservative, frugal, living within his means. He's the one that got upset about that. What's this noise that I hear? Well, it's a party. See, a lot of Christians don't know how to party in God. They don't know how to celebrate in God. This church is different than that. I love it. We're worshiping God. Everybody's shouting. Everybody's like, wow, come on. This is party time. Why? Because we know what God's given us. We understand that it's not up to me. It's not about me at all. The, the whole story is his story. That's what history means. It's his story, not my story, not your story. It's all about him. How could I not shout? And, and, and how could I not amen? And how could I not get excited when he saved me by grace and that not of myself? He, uh, he abundantly pardoned me, but he also gave me the ability to overtake things in life, amen. to be a conqueror, in fact, more than a conqueror is what he says. So listen to this. How can you live beyond your means? Your favor isn't determined by your behavior. That was number one if you're taking notes. You'll get better in whatever it is that has got you down right now. You'll get better when you understand that if you never got better, God still loves you. So grace is made perfect and stays perfect in your weakness. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians, we won't go there in chapter 12, but he said, if I glory in anything, he, he uh, went to the third heaven and got these amazing revelations. He saw things. He said, I can't, even, I can't even tell you what I'm seeing right now. I can't tell you what I saw. Heard things, saw things. He was in the presence of God. It says, I knew a man in Christ who was caught up into paradise, to the third heaven. Comes back, and it's like, ha, 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 ha. How do I explain this? He can't. John the Revelator in, in Revelations, his letter to, uh, to the church, same thing. We're, we're scratching our heads trying to work that one out. And, and, and it's about things that, that earthly things don't even compare to that. It's like, oh, I don't understand it. You're right. Some of it you never will until you get there and see it. And then you'll go, whoa. How could I even begin to explain colors that don't even, they're not even on the spectrum. They're not red, orange, uh, indigo, violet, or green, or whatever that is. Roy G. Biv. Red, orange, green, <laughs> yellow, green, indigo, violet. You know, there's however many colors. <laughs> He's got colors that none of us have ever seen before. There's music that's off the charts. I'm sure of it. There's so much. Paul comes back, and he marvels, and he goes, now, if I'm going to glory, I'm not going to glory in this revelation because I didn't do anything. He caught me up. I couldn't work it up. And he's shown me things that I can't even utter. But he says, I know this. If I glory, I can only glory in one thing, my weakness. And that when I am weak, <laughs> you're in a good place. If you are weak here... You're here this morning, you're watching online. You are in the best possible position for the grace of God to overtake you. For when I am weak, then he is strong. His strength, Paul says, is made perfect in my weakness. Paraphrase, Ed Luther paraphrase, get out of the way. 
Quit making it about you. You're not that good. If you were, you would have gone to the cross. Ooh, that hurts. God's got, God can't do anything through people who think they're something, but he can do a lot through people who know they're nothing. So God's unlimited life and love and joy and peace and all of these things come out of our weakness. You live beyond your means when you realize that grace gives you power. Listen to 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power. Come on, somebody say power. power. Come on, somebody shout power. power. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Grace is incredible. God poured out his grace. 1 Timothy 1.14, listen to this. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't just give us a little bit, live within your means, grace. He pours out so much grace abundantly above and beyond what you even need. He scatters seed everywhere so that you can live abundantly, that, that things can grow up everywhere in your life. Grace is the power that God gives you. I love it. Man, how much grace do you get? Romans 5, 17. I love these scriptures. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? We're not talking about just getting by. We're not talking about making ends meet. I'm not talking about living within your means. We're talking about something here that's, that goes so far out that, that there's nothing that can contain that. The heart of God poured that out on you because he loves you that much. God pours it out abundantly, it says. How much more will you receive abundant provision of grace to reign in life? Well, you might say, Pastor Ed, I... I don't need abundance of grace. I need, a, I need some abundance of money. I need to pay my bills. I need some abundance of uh, angels, debt-paying angels. Well, we do need that, and I agree with that. But God's grace will give you all of that, but much more than that. That's just the play money that you use here. And God's laws of sowing and reaping and, and all the laws that God's put in place, they all operate according to God's grace. That's how they operate. God wants you to go abundantly and beyond. God wants you to provide not just for yourself in your own means, but to expand what, what are the means that I need because it includes the needs of other people. When you start seeing that God wants to reach out, through his grace to restore marriages and to reach out to lost people, to see people coming off of drugs and to see homes put back together and, 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 to, and to put a roof over people's heads and to feed starving children, to break the sex trade trafficking stuff that's wreaking havoc in this planet and all of that kind of stuff. All of a sudden now it's not living according to my means, according to paying my bills about me, but it's all about God wants to reach this lost world. Our vision here at City Church is to grace the nations. Hello. 
Grace is five. It's the five-fold hand, fingered hand of God. The number for grace is, guess what? It's five. It's to take the hand of God that God's put here in this house and reach it out to the world out there that's dying for something like this. And God's not short of that. We're not living within our means here. We're extending into His means, which is unlimited. That's the good news message of the gospel. That's why it's called the good news, the gospel. I get excited when I think about how we're reaching our, our vision to grace the nations. And, and the nations are coming here. I, I'm so excited about that. Every time I see people of different uh, ethnicity and from nationalities and nations, uh, I, something in me just goes, yeah, this is it. This is what God called this church to be. I'm excited about that. The hand of God is on this church. And the way that we get there, our mission is raising generations, reaching nations. Raising generations that aren't prejudiced. Raising, raising, raising generations that realize, I've got grace of God. I've got the ability of God to do way more than what I can do just through an education. Raising generations that would walk across rooms and embrace somebody that looks different, talks different than them. Raising generations that would dare to think, I can reach generations. I can be a, a giant killer. I can go out and I can sow and I can extravagantly spread the grace of God from my life and the abundance that God has given me. There is incredible favor on this house and it's reaching out to, to far and wide to many, many places. I'm excited about that more than anything else God has given us this grace. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. You're a new creation empowered by grace. Number three, if you're taking notes, you'll live beyond your means when you realize that grace gives you the ability to live with nothing to lose. <laughs> oh, I love this. Have you ever been in a position where you had nothing to lose? I was given, um, we stayed in this uh, in this hotel, it was Caesar's Palace actually in Las Vegas, I'm telling on myself, but anyway, everything's a casino in Vegas. And it was fun because, I don't know, they gave us some chips to play with. And uh, it was like, I got nothing, I didn't pay for these stupid things. So I go down and just put some money there. I don't gamble, but that wasn't gambling, it was just, hey, they gave it to me, there you go. I heard the story about one pastor. He was in Vegas, and um, he was staying at a hotel there. Like I said, every, every nook and cranny of Vegas has uh, gambling machines. It's just You can't stay anywhere there where they're not gambling. That's how the whole city uh, has its economy. And uh, this particular pastor, Tony Campalo, he was in the lobby. He was waiting to get picked up by the pastor. He knew that the pastor was absolutely dead set against gambling, which, okay, sure, you should be if, you, if you're gambling your money. But when you got nothing to lose, it's not a gamble anymore. It's just, okay. <laughs> and he's down there. He's in the lobby, and he's waiting for the pastor to come and pick him up. He's thinking, oh, yeah, he's supposed to be here at 10. It's like 15 to 10 or whatever it was. And he thought, I can't resist. I've got some spare change in my pocket. So he went, goes over, true story, he puts the money, a quarter or whatever it is, 25 cents in the machine, pulls the lever, sirens are going off, people are running around, 
and money is gushing out of the machine. And as he's standing there watching this money flood all over, all over the floor and people running around, he's thinking, my goodness, you know, the pastor's going to be here any minute. What am I going to do with all this? Because he's, he's dead set against gambling. And, and right then he looks across the lobby, and guess who it is that's walking towards him? It's the pastor of the church. And he's thinking, what am I going to do? I can't leave all this money. So he's scooping it up, shoving it in his pockets. He's trying to hide it. And uh, this guy comes walking up, obviously sees what's, what's going on. It became a nice offering for the guy's church, so the pastor was quite happy with all of it. It didn't matter then. It was quite, I kind of like that. But when you got nothing, that was a story just to illustrate this point. <laughs> that when you got grace, you got nothing to lose. You've got nothing to lose because he won it already and gave it to you. He's, you're not on the losing side. Do you understand that? Somebody said quite cleverly years ago, you know, read the end of the book. We win. Oh, the world. Ah! Fear. Ah! You can't lose, my friend. If you're in, a, in his economy, in his kingdom, and he's your savior, and it's not based on your behavior, and, and, and you have the ability to overtake, you've got nothing to lose because Jesus is not a loser. That's the whole deal. I love to live that way. So in a way... Money becomes almost like monopoly money. I don't stress over it. I think it's fun. God gives you some of it, says, okay, here you go, use it. Oh, you use it. It's, it's a weapon of mass salvation. Money is incredible. It solves a lot of things, believe, believe me, and you know that. But if you take it so seriously and you're worried about hoarding it up and you're worried about making your own ends meet, and you're, you're going to live you know, so tight, frugal and everything else you, you, you're afraid to let any of it go or you're afraid to even let yourself go because you're afraid of getting rejected so you won't go and give somebody a hug or say hi or step out of your comfort zone you're afraid 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 if you live in fear you can't live in a grace economy with a heart full of fear it takes stepping out of that and the way to break it is to realize I can't lose because I'm in him and he's in me, I can't lose. So I can step out and I can spend what God gives me. I can take the grace of God and I can extend it to my fellow believer. I can extend it to the people out in the world and I can extend it to people that don't deserve it. I'll let that sink in for a moment. That's a pregnant pause. Because sometimes I will read the parable of the prodigal son and we get excited because that son could be us as we come back from the pig pen and come back to the father we love amazing grace how sweet the sound for me but it's not just about you it's about you extending the same grace that you received abundantly and beyond and without measure that God poured out into your life what are you going to do now? Are you just going to get fat with it? Are you just going to let it swell up? Are you just going to shove the coins in your pocket, run out, and, and, and try to just protect all of that? It, it, came, it came quite easily. God poured it out. Now, now, are you going to pour it out, or are you going to hoard it up? So my final point is this. I'd like the team to come back up, thanks. What are you going to do with the grace that you already have? Here's the deal. Grace is not an event that's going to happen someday. 
Grace is already here. You already have at least a measure of it and a big measure of it already in your life. Grace isn't something that you're going to work it up. Grace isn't something even that you can take credit for. It's by faith. It's by grace that you're saved. Through faith, you have to believe God at his word. But I would dare say most of you have already believed God, taken God at his word, and you're walking in it. But what are you going to do with it? What would you do with more favor? What would you do if God poured out more of whatever it is right now that you're just trying to live within your means with it? What would you do if God dropped $100 million on your plate? Or $100,000? Or $100? What would you do if God graced you with more of whatever it is that you've already got that you're short of? I like to think of this, make your plans, step out, God will always meet you there. God's provision always flows into vision. He doesn't provide first and then say, okay, now if you want to go out and do it, you can do it. You step out, you take the measure of grace that God's given you, you join with other people because everybody's got a different measure and a different type of grace because there's a grace on my life to do what I'm doing right now, but there's a grace on your life to do what God's called you to do that's probably different than what I'm doing right now. It's, it's why we need each other. It's why the body of Christ is called the body of Christ. We need to be connected to each other's grace. We need the grace that's upon every one of us corporately to go and step out. But what are we going to do with it? Make your plans. Plan on how you're going to invest it, spend it, use it for the kingdom of God. And then step out with what God's given you, realizing I do not have to live within my means when it comes to grace. I need to step out into his big economy with that and start to use whatever I've got, sow whatever I've got, invest into other people, step out into other people and watch what God will do with your life. Oh, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. <laughs> that saved a wretch like me, but also saved a whole lot of other wretches that are out there that without me, they'll probably never hear of amazing grace. Just exactly how powerful that is. I want to pray for a moment. I want you to close your eyes wherever you're at. I'd like, to, I'd like you to answer this question within your own heart. Not out loud, but just you, you and God. How much favor do I believe depends upon my behavior? And right now, if you're like probably everybody in this room, your behavior doesn't measure up all that well. You might not be doing some of the big sins that, you know, people have labeled the big, the big ones. Maybe your attitude isn't quite the attitude that God would have as you read the scriptures. You get confronted with an amazing attitude of Christ, the mind of Christ. Maybe you don't measure up. But have you made the grace that God's poured into your life contingent 
upon behavior, your behavior. So if you're good, you, you can be the hero. But if you're bad, you've got to be the prodigal running away. Why don't you be the prodigal running toward the Father right now, not the one running away? Why don't you realize that God loves you unconditionally, no matter what you do, God still loves you. Yes, there is value in repenting. Yes, there is value in living right before God. Absolutely, yes. But the grace of God is not dependent upon your, your behavior. His favor is not dependent on your behavior. Why don't you repent of making you the center of the stage and the story right now and just say, God, forgive me. Father, I just thank you right now for giving your ability right now to live beyond our means and stepping into your abundant provision right now of grace, divine favor, divine ability. Enable us, Lord, and help us to make bigger plans than what we've been making. To make plans that are abundant because you're abundant. To make plans that are extravagant because you're extravagant. To make plans to ambush people at our work, in our community, even in the church, to ambush people with goodness and words of encouragement and generosity, to go out and to live as if we have nothing to lose because we have nothing to lose. I thank you for that right now, for every person that would believe for that right now in Jesus' name. And you might be here, you've never received Jesus into your life you've never given him your heart i want to give you that opportunity right now to make jesus christ your lord and savior amazing grace he's he's knocking at your door you might feel a bit uncomfortable you think oh have you ever done that have you really given your heart to him if not i want to include you in this prayer we'll all pray this together and i know that god will meet you right where you're at if you've walked away from god need to come home he's not waiting for your behavior to change he loves you unconditionally out of his goodness he will change you for sure but his power like I said is made perfect in weakness why don't you just be weak enough to put your hand up and say save me I've been swimming against the tide for too long I'm about out of power out of my own strength I need a Savior. If that's you right now, pray this prayer with all of us here. Say, Dear God, I thank you for saving me. Jesus, I give you my heart. Amen and amen. Look, if that's you, please take the time. Fill out a card that's uh, underneath the seat in front of you. If you're watching online, please take the time to send us an email. Uh, keep the emails coming. We have been receiving them. A lot of you have asked for prayer uh, from our online audience uh, from all over the world. And uh, I do read those. I do pray for those. And our team here is there to support you in whatever we can do to help you with, uh, with these things to see the breakthrough in your life. It's an exciting time to live. It's, it's uh, uh, an exciting time to know that God's grace, God's abundance is with us, flowing out of us. And we're excited about that. God bless you. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, 
then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.